If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good evening to all of my fellow fans of those 2019 AL East champion savages in the box. Welcome to episode 14 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this gorgeous Sunday evening, September 22nd, 2019. How's everybody doing? I got to tell you, what incredible weather we've had here in New York this weekend and throughout the whole week now that I think about it, honestly. It's been just beautiful outside. been going outside and just hanging out, enjoying the beautiful weather, and it's great for baseball and sports overall, of course. But before we get going here, let's get going by first, as always, giving our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. The Team Left Jab United Radio Network, they feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, anywhere you can think of, just everywhere. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. They do great work there. So, here we are, September 22nd, episode 14 already and appropriately named the final week because there's only one week left in the baseball season. And the Yankees today, on this Sunday, September 22nd, played their final regular season home game. I I, I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> trust me, I can't wait for the playoffs. And this is probably the most exciting time of year for me, but I am so sad that the season is coming to an end. This is This is when I get, like, probably the most upset too as you know also as far as excitement you know but it's just it's just such a conflicting time for me because while I'm so excited for the playoffs I'm so sad that that also means baseball is coming to a close and my most hated season winter which I hate with the burning passion of a million suns is coming around and I just hate the cold I hate there's no baseball and it's just right up ahead but I'm I'm not going to be negative about it there's one more week left in the season. An exciting postseason is around the corner. I cannot wait for the Yankees to hopefully win the World Series. I'm confident that they will, but who knows what's going to happen. I just cannot believe we're already at this point of this season already. Time has flown. But as we usually do after the team left Jeb's shout-out at the top of every show, let's get into the weekly Yapping Yankees polls that I, of course, post on Twitter and Instagram every week for you guys to vote on, to interact with, to comment on, to maybe get a shout-out. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I did post a pretty good question this week, I think. I, I enjoyed the poll. I mean, I'm a little biased, but I enjoyed the poll. <laughs> so... This week's poll that I posted on both Twitter and Instagram. We'll start with the Twitter one, as always. So, here is the poll question. How many wins do you think the Yankees will finish with this season? Now, with only a week left in the year, and this is the last time I'm talking to you before the season is officially over, and, you know, home field advantage against the Astros, at least, still on the line, I assume that for the last week of the season going into it, this is an appropriate question. So, I I asked it. 
And I also, with the reply, had a different different sort of a thing. It was almost like a two-part poll. I liked this. It was a good idea, I think. I said, reply with whether or not you think your choice is enough for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And then you'll get a shout-out on the podcast, of course. So the choices were 103 wins, 104 wins, 105 wins, or 106 or 107. And 106 or 107 was one choice. That was the fourth choice. So there are four choices. The first three are 103, 104, 105, and then choice four was 106 or 107. And the choice that won was 105. 44% voted for 105, and then in second place came 104. 28% of people voted for that. 22% voted for 106 or 107, and only 6% voted for 103 because with five games left in the year, the Yankees would only win one more, and they'd finish at 103, so apparently uh, everyone seems to be on the same page. With the next five games on the horizon, they're going to win more than just one more in the next five. So I, I, I think I agree with the 105 assessment. I think 105 is a good number, and I think it's reasonable. They're at 102 after today's win against the Blue Jays in the final game of the three-game series with them in the Bronx. And if they were to split with Tampa... And then they could win two out of three against Texas on the road, which, um, which I think is no hard task really. Then that's there's your 105 wins. So I I definitely see the reasoning on that, and that's the reasoning a lot of you gave. But I I, I did say also the second part of it, if you think that the number you chose is enough to earn home field advantage throughout the postseason. So again, it's it's almost like a two part poll almost. So I got plenty of replies on this. First off. At Mountain Gal 456 Tina, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. She's a big listener to this podcast, too. Tina, I appreciate the hell out of you, as always. You replied with going all out with 106 or 107 because hashtag savages. This is the kind of response I'm looking for, people. <laughs> Great response. I love that confidence. Up next is at Vic Salimo, my lovely girlfriend, of course. She said, I say 104 because of the Rays. I don't think it'll be enough for home field advantage, though. So apparently Vic seems to think the next two games that the Yankees have against Tampa on Tuesday and Wednesday, because of course we know that in the last week the Yankees have tomorrow off and they have Thursday off. So it's a quick two-game series in Tampa and a three-game series next weekend to finish off the year in Texas. So apparently Victoria thinks that Tampa will do a little bit of spoiling and perhaps maybe sweep the two-game series, and that may give some trouble, and then... I don't know, maybe, or maybe you could split there and then lose two out of three in Texas. I don't know. But that is what Vic had to say. And also because because a good another good friend of mine on Twitter got involved in this thread, I want to give her a shout-out as well. My good friend, Jell, at Little Jell. She's awesome. I follow her as well for a while now. We're close friends on Twitter. She's great. And she said, nah, the Yanks have owned the Rays all season. Yankees got it. Love that confidence, too. But I definitely do also understand Vic by saying, hey, you know, if there's anybody to play spoiler, and, and I could definitely understand this, if there's anybody to play spoiler against the Yankees, it's definitely their division rival, the Rays, right? It's not totally unreasonable. James Celestin at Anime Soldier 01, another good friend of mine on Twitter. He's awesome, and he's also met his fair share of people in at Yankee Stadium too because I believe he was at the game the last two days if he listens here and I'm wrong he'll correct me but I'm pretty sure he went to the Yankee game the last two days he's met a lot of Yankees Twitter people and he's also met a couple of famous people as well I believe I, I, I have to take a look I don't really remember but anyway James replied to the poll I say 104 we might slip up against Tampa we need to get healthy so James is agreeing with Vic it seems 
Laura Icemont. Laura, you're one of my favorite followers too, as you know. I so apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Icemont, at Laura underscore Icemont. It's E-I-S-M-O-N-T. 105, she says. It may be enough, but it all depends on how the Astros do as well, of course. So I, I, I do agree with that, 105. At Kalu Borden 12. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, too. I'll spell it just for the hell of it in case I am pronouncing it incorrectly. It's C-A-I-L-L-O-U, Borden, B-O-R-D-E-N, 12. So I'm going to say Kalu Borden 12. He says 104 to 105. So I said, which one did you officially choose? He said he mistakenly chose 103, but he thinks 105 makes sense. So, 105. Another 105 person. So then we have at official 52011 underscore 2. 103 to 105 wins, but it's not enough for home field against the Astros. So then again, another one said 103 to 105. I asked, what did you officially choose? He said 104. So that is that. So then up next we had my man Greg Bloss at Gman42995. Greg says, 105, win today, split in Tampa, 2 out of 3 in Texas. So Greg definitely seems to agree with that. And then my good friend Stacy. At, at Hampton 6 Stacy replied to Greg as well, saying this, I say 105, so agreeing with Greg. Definitely good to see Stacy again. Another one of my big-time favorite Twitter followers. Definitely a big fan of hers. So we'll just keep scrolling down the list here. We got some more replies. Robert Piscotti, at RJ Piscotti 59 You can go back about 10 days ago, and I looked at the schedule and mapped out 105 and tweeted it. And I still think that's the number. A split in Tampa, two out of three in Texas, and it probably will not get them home field against the Astros. So, Robert, it seems like... Seems like your predictions from about 10 days ago are coming to fruition. Congratulations. Definitely a good prediction. At GITR Dunn, 923. Split in Tampa, sweep Texas, destroy first round. Love the confidence there. That's awesome. So now this one, Douglas E. Poquette. I hope that's right. It's old, old Doug Aaron C. It looks like that's the at. At old Doug E-R-I-N-C. 105, but Houston finishes with the Angels and Mariners, and it's hard seeing them go 2-4 and four in that time when the Yanks will likely go 3-2. and two. That's fair, and as we know right now, as far as home field advantage is looking between the Yankees and the Astros, the Astros are a half a game better than the Yankees. And remember, if they finish in a tiebreaker at the end of the year after game 162 is all set and done, the tiebreaker goes to the Astros because they won more games against the Yankees in the season series against each other in the head-to-head matchups. So the Yankees, therefore, and, and Michael K. mentioned that a lot on Yes as well, the Yankees have to, therefore, finish at least a game better than the Astros because a, time, a tiebreaker still goes to Houston. Hoodie Judge, at Hoodie Judge 99. I say 107. So you're saying you're going to win out, win the rest of the five games, sweep the Tampa series, sweep Texas, and finish with 107 wins, and we barely get home field advantage through the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't know if that means barely, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's either we're finishing again, uh, above the Astros or not, but I, I see what you're saying. It's definitely, I love the confidence saying 107 just wins straight out for the rest of the way. I love that. 
So that's all the replies that I see right here. Definitely a lot of interaction on this one. This poll has nearly 150 votes, definitely up from last week because last week, as I said, I, to- I posted the Twitter poll really late last week. And I did the same thing with Instagram this week. I'm just like all over the place. I'm a mess. <laughs> because what, what's go- what happened was I, I posted this one to Twitter and then I just sort of like left my phone for a while while the Yankees were on. And like a couple of hours later, I realized, oh my God, I didn't put the poll on Instagram too. Oh my goodness gracious, help me. <laughs> so, speaking of Instagram, let's head on over there before we get into our main d- discussions of the day, of course. So, we'll head on over to this poll right now on Instagram. And obviously the same question remains. How many wins do you think the Yankees will finish with this season when it's all said and done? And on this one, I had, since Instagram only provides the only t- only two choices for the Instagram poll... I had to do two choices. One was 103-104, and the second choice was 105-107. So 103 to 104, or 105 to 107. And 105 to 107 won the vote 69% to 31%. And I, th- I believe I only got a couple of replies on this as well. Carl Lucio 921. Their hitting is going to get them those five extra wins. Eh, that's interesting. And then, of course, Tegan Graham 23 a good friend of my brother's. He usually does good to reply to these every week on Instagram. He's one of my main, my main replies that I can guarantee. And he replied, I don't believe that anything they do from here on out will end up a bad outcome. If they come in second to the Astros and they play the Twins, and we know we can beat the Twins. Definitely right about that. History says so. If we get home field advantage, then we either have to play the Rays, Indians, or most likely the A's. Of course, Tegan's talking about the wild card teams. The A's are such a scary, sneaky, intimidating team that can beat anyone, anywhere, as they proved at Minute Maid Park, taking three out of four against the hot Astros. Tegan, you make a pretty good point there, my man. And you got to take all that into account. I mean, I know when you usually try to map out the playoffs and you choose your opponent, sometimes it could definitely come back to bite you in the rear end. Uh, I definitely know that. The playoffs, as they always say, is a crapshoot. They even say that on yes a lot of the time. And anything can happen at any time. It's just that time of the year. But at the same time, if you look around, you know, you might actually rather face the Twins in the first round than those sneaky, sneaky wild card teams. You know, the Indians are capable of anything, really. They're sneaky good, and especially the Oakland A's, who definitely made, you know, they made good work out of the Yankees in Oakland, and they even gave the Yankees a hard time here in New York. And then just recently, they went to Houston in four games and took three out of four. So the A's have proven to be a little bit scary. I mean, I don't know what they would do in the playoffs because, again, as I said before, the playoffs are a totally different ball game, pun intended. And I, I just, I don't know what would happen necessarily, but they are a sneaky, intimidating team. They, you are right about that. Outside of the Astros, if there is one team in all of baseball that I'm probably most afraid to verse in the playoffs outside of the Astros, it's probably the A's. So, Tegan, I have to agree with you there, my man. So it's kind of like pick your poison. And uh, definitely your comment with the Twins is definitely true because, of course, the Yankees have owned the Twins in the postseason for such a long time now. They're just the Twinkies when they face us. It's no, it's no doubt about it. But every team in the postseason bracket has something to fear a bit. And that's what makes this so interesting. Of course, the A's have multiple good, good aspects about it. They're a sneaky good team. And the Rays... You know, they have a lot of weaknesses as well, but they have a great manager in Kevin Cash. 
and, and you know they're just a gritty team. They do so much with so little, and that's what everybody, including myself, has admired them for since last year and this season. How good they've done with the amount of things they have and the, their payroll and how little money they spend. So what they the way they do good with what they have is great. I don't know if it'll ever ever result in a deep playoff run like it did for them eleven years ago in two thousand eight when they went to the World Series, but. They, they still have their intimidating factors about them. And you look at the Twins, their hitting is very potent. They have a very good offense. They could hit the ball out of the park whenever the hell they want. They're a very strong team, still neck and neck with the Yankees for the most, rec- for the most home runs in baseball. And they both hold the records. They're just going back and forth, and the Yankees are ahead of them right now, I believe so. And it, it's just really exciting. The Twins can hit the ball out of the park whenever they want, and their power makes them a bit intimidating as well. And then, of course, the Astros. We, we all, we all know how good the Astros are. They're a very scary team, and I, I think anyone that goes out there, I, I mean, trust me, I love the confidence. But I think anyone that goes out there and says, "Oh yeah, I'm not afraid of the Astros at all," <laughs> I, I don't know if you're lying to yourself or if you're just in denial, or if you just don't know what you're talking about. But it, while I love the confidence, I mean, there's a lot to be afraid of when you look at the Houston Astros. Even as someone who firmly believes the Yankees are going to win the World Series, bias put aside. I'm I'm afraid of the Astros. <laughs> They're a damn good team, whether you like it or not. So those are those are the results on both social media platforms. As far as my polls are concerned, I'd like to thank everybody who replied and interacted. Of course, you got your shout out as always. I'm so glad to give all you your shout outs. I mean, you all deserve it. I I, I love interacting with you guys all the time on Twitter. Twitter's always a great time with the, with the Twitter family, whether it be Yankee fans, Giant fans, wrestling fans. And even when hockey starts up, maybe a couple of hockey fans, some basketball fans, it's always so much fun, but especially the Yankees Twitter family. I mean, I know we have our psychos out there, but we really are a good bunch, I feel. And it's just a lot of fun interacting with you. And, I, and this podcast is really, it's for the Yankees community. I want to make it as much for the community as possible. I, you know, of course, I don't know eventually how big it's going to get ever, but it's, you know, it's a big deal. So I, it's, I just love... I love interacting with you guys, and I really just like to thank you. And also, before, now that we're done with the with the polls, before we get into the main topics of, topics of the day, I do have a big announcement to make. I just wanted to get through those first two things before I made it. This podcast, as I've said, the last few weeks, I've promised it's going to get on Apple. It's going to get on Apple. It's going to be available on Apple Podcasts, this and that. Well, guys, it has finally happened. Yapping Yankees is officially available on Apple Podcasts. You can go to iTunes, go to Podcasts, search up Yapping Yankees, and all 13 episodes, and this one too, the 14th episode, which will of course be out tonight, all of them should be available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And guess what? It's still a work in progress because I'm trying to get this on Spotify as well. We are trying to expand the Yapping Yankees empire. I'm doing my best here, guys. I really want to make this podcast the best that I can make it. I will, of, of course, also eventually look into having guests on the show, whether it be official writers or, I don't know, maybe even a player at some point. Who knows? Or maybe just some people from Yankees Twitter that I interact with regularly, and I definitely think they could provide some good content for the show. I am definitely on board for doing any and all of that. So I'm going to look into having guests as well. This is happening. The first step is getting it on Apple Podcasts. Eventually, very shortly, I hope, it will be available on Spotify. And we're going to keep growing from there. I'm getting a nice microphone arm here. I'm getting a second microphone 
We're going to see what to do with equipment here as well because, of course, I love this microphone I have, and this is a great setup I have right now. Nice and simple, but, you know, you try to keep growing, of course. Just try to keep getting better. And that's what we're doing here on Yapping Yankees. So I did want to make that announcement. So be sure to go to iTunes, go to Apple Podcasts, search up Yapping Yankees, subscribe to it, do whatever you have to do. Listen on there, get the ratings up on there. The listens on SoundCloud have been good every week, about 30, 40 listens a week maybe. And maybe even more, you know, the first episode is up to around 100 listens. It, you know, so we haven't had absolutely nothing here, but we could definitely afford to grow more. And it's a work in progress. You know, this may be episode 14 already. I've been doing it for a few months now. But there's always room for improvement, and it, and it takes time to grow certain things. I'm more than happy with my social media following, especially on Twitter. That'll help to grow things. You know, it's a, it's a work in progress. That's what it is. So we're going to keep trying here. But that big announcement, definitely wanted to get it out there. Yapping Yankees is now available on Apple Podcasts, as many of you requested to me. I'm so glad it's finally done, so be sure to check that out. You can now listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. They're on both, and I will be sure to definitely let you know when it is, of course, available on Spotify as well. And quickly, before we fully transition out of the social media polls section of this episode, I do want to give Tina at MountainGal456 another shout out for DMing me with some more questions to address on the podcast before we get into the latest Yankees news. Tina messaged me a few days ago. She asked me, what do you think will be the best pitching rotation for the postseason now that Herman is gone, which we'll get to shortly? I think the easy answer is definitely Paxton, Sevy, and Tanaka. I think those are really the only three main guys you need in the postseason. I think the Yankees will be more than successful with them. The second question was, what's up with Luke Voigt? I know he's coming back from injury. It's been a while now, and he hasn't looked good. Well, I think it's a little combination of both. He's still finding his stride, and also he's been running into some bad luck, as we'll get to. We'll also talk about this a little bit about Luke later. He's been running into some bad luck. He's had some good plays made against him. He's hit the ball hard right at people, and and also, of course, a part of it is that he's been struggling a bit, too. I think he'll be okay, too, and, and hopefully he'll wake up and turn things around before the playoffs start, or right when the playoffs start. What better time to wake up, right? And three, do you think the Yankees are going to use Clint Frazier in the postseason? No, I do not. I do acknowledge that he's done a thing or two with the home run and then the RBI double recently, but other than that, since coming back, he has not proven that he deserves to be on the playoff roster. I think, again, we'll talk about this as well, I think Tyler Wade deserves that spot more as, as far as utility and pinch running, but I do not think that they will use Clint Frazier. And again, Tina, just want to thank you for always being so supportive of me and the podcast as always. So... Let's get into some of the latest Yankees news in Yankee land before we get to the weekly recap, of course. The first news, first piece of news, of course, probably the biggest piece of news throughout the week. It's, I, I'm, I'm doing this first to get it out of the way and, and just try to finish on positives. But of course, the elephant in the room is the Domingo Herman news. He will not pitch for the rest of the season or postseason for allegedly slapping his girlfriend, domestic violence. And I, I guess when they've made this official ruling to just not allow him to pitch for the rest of the way, I guess that means they must have found some evidence amongst the mess of reporting when the story first broke. Because I got to tell you, th- this this story, when it first came out, there are so many conflicting reports amongst writers, against officials, on Twitter and everywhere, just on all the sports apps, team stream, MLB at bat, just everywhere. At first it was, oh, there's no evidence yet, but he's he's placed on administrative leave. And then there was apparently a witness at the commissioner's office. It said that's where it happened at the commissioner's office. And then apparently there was 
there were reports that debunked the fact that there was a witness at the commissioner's office. I, I, I don't know. And there were other people saying, no, that that's true. Who the hell knows what's true and what's fake anymore? Because unfortunately, with sports news now, and news overall, just all over the world in media, this is just the way it's become. It's who's first. It's not who has all the facts first. That's not how it works. So just a really confusing time when the story first came out. It was just a mess. And the situation itself, of course, is a mess too. I just hate the domestic violence subject and for personal reasons that I won't tell you on the podcast. It hits home for me. So when this came out, I took to Twitter and I was aggressive towards it. Even though, you know, some people, a couple of people, a couple of friends of mine on Twitter brought me back down, of course, saying, hey, there's no official evidence yet. Just wait until it winds down. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Not going to deny that. But it has a personal thing with me and I just hate the subject and and anyone like Herman, if, if it is in fact true that he did this, which it, I, I think it is, but if it is in fact true and all the evidence is eventually gathered and they come to it, because I know it's still an investigation ongoing and everything, there must be something if they just dictated, oh, he's not going to pitch for the rest of the season or the postseason. I, I don't know. There must be something, but who knows? We're not in on the investigation, so we don't really know much of anything. And Domingo Herman and the Yankees, of course, and the Yankees too, are are, are cooperating fully as, as they should, especially Domingo for everything he's done. But it was a mess when it first came out. But otherwise, I you know I I don't I just don't think they would have taken that action if they if they you know haven't found anything. But if he, regardless of whether they found anything or not, if he's found guilty for this and whatnot. He deserves whatever punishment he gets and should be absolutely embarrassed and ashamed of himself. It's just absolutely vile and disgusting, especially if you were to do it in public at a commissioner's office, according to early reports. Smacking your girlfriend in public, smacking your girlfriend at all is disgusting. But doing it in public makes it even worse. That's just... It's disgusting. I I don't know what else to say about it. I'm at a loss for words because of how of how grossed out I am, how nauseating it is to talk about. I could not imagine doing that to a loved one, my girlfriend or anybody. I, I why get physical? Why? Are we are we really are are we just have we really gone down to that level? Are we still down at that level? Have we not evolved yet? I just, I don't think you do that to people you care about. I just don't. It's disgusting. As far as his value with the team, of course, he was a big part of the success, but I I still think the Yanks will be fine without him. And quite frankly, he doesn't deserve to be a part of the success at all. I have no use for people who abuse their loved ones like that. So, obviously, my take on this whole thing is I, I like everyone else, waits for this investigation to be completed and followed through fully. And, you know, fans like myself, everybody else, Herman, the Yankees, will accept any further punishment that they feel is appropriate against him. Herman should feel terrible about himself. I don't feel bad about anything that happens to him at all. And after the investigation's all done, all evidence is taken and everything, after a final judgment has been given, if everything is proven like they reported that this did in fact happen, exactly the way they said it happened, then Domingo... You're disgusting. I know it's bold, but I just have to say, you're disgusting. Just like everybody else that does this. I mean, do you know, this is not, by far, not the the first time this has happened, of course. We know that Aroldis Chapman did the same thing. And do I think Aroldis Chapman as a person is disgusting too? Yeah, I do. 
I do. I mean, I know the charges were dismissed and this and that and, and, and whatever, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that it still happened. And anybody that this that this goes down with, I feel the same about because I just I don't I don't live by the same thing. I don't abuse my loved one. I don't. And, and I really think this needs to be addressed even more. This is a huge problem in the country and, and even with athletes, as we see just everywhere. It's a huge, huge problem. And it's disgusting. It's disgusting. So if this whole thing comes to a head and Domingo Herman is found guilty for this, all evidence is in, I don't I could care less what happens. I could not care less what happens to him. He deserves whatever he gets. And I think the Yankees will be just fine without him. Just it's horrible, horrible news that we all got around the middle of the week. Horrible news. So let's move past that for a bit, get a little bit more positive. Let's talk about the latest Yankees significant injury news, and there's only one bad piece here. The, the bad piece, of course, since we last spoke, is Dellen Batances. He partially tore his Achilles after landing awkwardly after that hop on the mound in Toronto after he pitched two-thirds of an inning, and he's done for the year. It's very unfortunate, but just remember, the Yankees, although I'm not denying that he would, of course, be a huge help, no one's denying that, at the end of the day, they've won 102 games up to this point without him. I think they'll be okay. But at the end of the day, I feel awful for him. To, to come back and pitch two-thirds of an inning and then land on the IL again for the rest of the year, it's just, it's awful. It's just terrible. So I feel very bad for Dylan. I wish he could be a part of this thing. And and it also is a shame, really, because he when he did pitch those two-thirds of an inning, struck out both batters, he looked great. The fastball velocity, although it was, of course, visibly a little lower, as we should all expect, it was still looking good. And his breaking pitch was was as good as ever. Looked great. It's just it's just really sucky. It's just that sucks. It just sucks. There's nothing else to say about it. This has been the story of the entire freaking season, though. It just has been. It's been the story of the whole season. But let's get to some good news because we've gone through two bad stories for now, and I feel it's bringing down the mood. So let's get to some positives. Good news. Injury news front. Seve and Stanton, of course, they've already returned and both have looked great. They've looked fantastic. Seve has had two starts. First saw him throw four shutout innings on Tuesday against the Angels, and then today saw him throw five shutout innings. Total of nine shutout innings in his brief 2019 season so far. And today, in those five innings, he struck out nine people. Pitches looked great. His changeup has looked very effective. Still figuring out the slider a little bit, although that looks great. The fastball velocity is definitely there. He's throwing straight up gas. He's touched as, he, as high as even 99 miles an hour. Just looking really, really good, Luis Severino. I'm so glad he's back. It's so good to see him back. Gets a win, his first win of the season for 2019. His ERA is still a big fat zero. That is what we like to see. Definitely what we like to see. And Giancarlo Stanton? Well, Stanton haters, you don't have a lot to say now, do you? <laughs> because he's had a very good eye, has driven the ball well, deep counts, Looks fresh, ready to go. He's seeing the ball, and guess what? 
for someone who's missed as much time as he has this year, that's very impressive to have right out of the gate with the playoffs right around the corner. It's definitely big with those two being back and as sharp as they are as well. And really, I am so happy that Giancarlo has done as good as he has coming back, just shutting the haters up. They have all gone silent on my Twitter timeline, and that's what I love to see. You people don't deserve Giancarlo Stanton. This guy's a former MVP. The numbers he put up last year, I get that you will never forget the ALDS and how he struck out and all that nonsense, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? It's still Giancarlo freaking Stanton. And I really hope that he continues to do well, hits an iconic home run in the playoffs, and shuts your ass up. Because I believe in this guy. I do. I believe in him. And I'm glad he's done this good. I don't root against my players. Neither should you. Because at the end of the day, he's still at 38 home runs last year, even if they weren't necessarily in big situations. I hear all of you that say, oh, he wasn't clutch in the playoffs, wasn't clutch here, wasn't clutch there. And that's fine. If you want to if you want to give legitimate examples and legitimate gripes as to why, but this is for those insulting him, saying, oh, I hope he stays on the IL. I hope he stays hurt. I hate him. He sucks. Giancarlo Stanton does not suck, okay? He doesn't suck. Anyone in baseball would give almost anything to have him on their team. It's Giancarlo freaking Stanton. Come on. Don't be an ungrateful Yankee fan now. So I'm glad he's doing well. As far as imminent returns, Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion, who as we know, they went down with a groin and oblique injury respectively. Gary with the groin, Edwin with the oblique. Both must have been mild apparently, not too bad, since they're both expected back this coming week, whether it be in the Texas series or possibly even in the Tampa series in the middle of the week. So we shall see there, but that's damn near full strength going into the playoffs right there. I cannot freaking wait. Because when those two injuries happened, I was so afraid because Edwin had come back from his fractured wrist, and in Detroit, he looked great. So then when he got hurt, I was like, oh my god, and I heard it's the oblique, I was like, oh dear god in heaven. Obliques are no good, there's such little time left in the year, what's his role gonna be? And the Yankees really need Edwin, his bat is crucial, he's such a vital player to this team. So when they said that his oblique strain was mild... It was such a relief, and saying that he could actually be back before the final series of the season. Oh my god, what a relief. Wow. And Gary coming back soon as well. I hope the groin is in tip-top condition. I definitely do, because those two bats are needed. I mean, listen, the next man up thing in this regular season, the Yankees aren't here right now without the next man up mentality and the next man up team. They're not. That's a proven fact. And you can get away with that in the regular season sometimes. I mean, people forget the Yankees. The fact they have 102 wins right now after all the adversity that they've had to put up with. With the injuries, with the opponents, with just everything. Where they are right now is downright incredible. It is incredible. And people forget that. So it usually shouldn't happen. The Yankees shouldn't be anywhere near where they are right now, but it happened. And you could get away with this in the regular season. But in the playoffs, you need the best of the best. You need all hands on deck. You need your very best players. No BSing around in the playoffs. 
So the fact that these two are coming back beforehand, maybe have a couple of days to get their act together. They haven't missed too much time. They'll get their acts together. They're both very talented people, of course, as we know. And they'll get out there, and they'll help kick ass all the way through the playoffs. It's just a relief that they could be back in just a matter of days. Definitely a big deal. I just can't freaking wait. Oh my god. So, so great. So, let's get into the weekly recap as we're moving right along here on Yapping Yankees. Today, we'll start with last Tuesday, of course, five days ago, because we already spoke about the game on Sunday, what happened last Sunday with the Blue Jays on the road. So, now, since they had a day off on Monday, of course, we will now skip right over to Tuesday when Severino made his 2019 debut, and as I said earlier, it was a great start. Four shutout innings, four strikeouts, only allowed two hits, walked a couple, Got into a jam in the first inning, got out of it, looked great for the next three, and all good signs from Luis Severino. Of course, he's a work in progress. He'll have, he'll probably have another start in this season, and that that's it. That's it. Or they might even hold him. Who knows? Or they might have him just throw a couple of innings. Who knows? But he, there's one thing for sure, amongst all the things we don't know about how they're going to handle him for the rest of the season yet, is that he looks damn good. He looks good. So... Things would start out in the bottom of the second in the first game against the Angels at Yankee Stadium. Gio Urshela, RBI single made it 1-0. Cameron Mabin, RBI double made it 2-0. DJ LeMahieu, RBI single made it 3-0. 5-0 after a two-run double by D.D. Gregorius. And then a three-run bomb by Glaber Torres made it 8-0. That is, of course, the score that the Yankees would win by that day. Great performances all around. Severino, the offense, all of it. Great, great stuff by the boys that day. Then Wednesday was a bit more of a challenge because this is definitely a game that they could have won. And, you know, if they don't finish against the Astros, for those that are dying for the Yankees to finish over the Astros, this will, this will be a game they look back on. This will be one of them for sure. Because the way in which they lost, pretty painful. So, of course, on Wednesday, CeCe Sabathia would have his final, would have his final home regular season start at Yankee Stadium. And he would go two and two thirds, allowed two runs. Didn't he? The first couple innings he looked fine, but then in the third inning he just started to uh, started unravel, and they took him out of the game. And it was a really, really nice ovation. The fans gave him, the players came out to greet him, and everything. It was just a, it was just really, really nice. And he and Dellen Batantis, I love the relationship they have because even Cece confirmed that he got extra emotional when he saw Dellen out there because apparently he and Dellen are just very close, and Dellen's like a little brother. To him, and even though even though Dellen's taller because he's taller than basically everybody standing at six eight, but you get what I'm saying. He's like a little brother to him, and they have a very special bond, a very special relationship. And and he just got emotional when he saw him, and and the rest of his teammates too as well. I mean, even today with the ceremony, which we'll get to, very very emotional. Once we get to talking about today's game, oh boy, it, it, this it was emotional. So CC started this game. And the Yankees would lose 3-2 to two painfully. So, Albert Pujols, top of the third. RBI single made it 1-0 Angels. Then Kevin Smith, RBI single of his own, made it 2-0 Angels. Aaron Judge, game-tying two-run homer, tied the game at two. And then Albert Pujols hit a slow ground ball back to Adam Ottavino in the top of the sixth. Ottavino in a really what should have been an insanely routine throw home. Threw it way over Higashioka, I believe, was catching. And the go-ahead run came home to score on that. They scored it a fielder's choice for Albert Pujols. The Angels took a 3-2 lead, and that's the score they would win by. Of course, even though Adam Adovino gave up the final, the final, you know, 
the final nail in the coffin in the game, the the final run that would be the winning run of the game. It's still you could still look at the offense and say, hey, the offense was absolutely dead. It's not totally on Ottavino, and I and that's true. But boy, that throw home was brutal. That should be an easy, easy play. <laughs> really simple. And last few times out, you know, no one can really ignore it. Ottavino's looked a little shaky. So I hope this isn't a trend that we see going into the postseason because Ottavino's been such a vital part to that bullpen. But I'm sure he'll turn it around. He's elite. And then that night, of course, they stayed behind for hours waiting to see the conclusion of the Rays and Dodgers game. Which, of course, you know, that, that was definitely a... That was definitely a big deal because it went late into the night and you're thinking to yourself, um, they have a game the next day, the Yankees. <laughs> and if Tampa Bay lost and that was an automatic clinch and they would have... A lot of people were saying, and I, and I hear this, I understand it too. I was on the side of the Rays winning this game because not only did I not want the Yankees to clinch on another team's loss, I wanted them to do it on a, on a win in front of the crowd at Yankee Stadium, but also... For the sake of home field advantage, if we're to get to the Dodgers in the World Series and finish with a better record over them, you don't want the Dodgers to win. <laughs> so it was just, I don't know, I rooted for the Rays to win. They did end up winning the 11th inning, 8-7. to So the Yankees got another chance the next day to clinch at Yankee Stadium with the Rays being off and everything. All they needed was a win, and they would do just that, winning 9-1. to and they were led by Masahiro Tanaka, who had a phenomenal start against the Angels. The Yankees would take the series two out of three. Tanaka went seven innings, only allowed a run, struck out six, and your scoring plays are as follows. It would start off in the bottom of the second. DJ LeMahieu, three-run shot to put the Yankees right up, 3 nothing. Then Cole Calhoun would show some life for the Angels, hitting a solo shot, making it 3-1. to one. That was his 32nd home run of the year. He's, he's hit a lot of home runs. But that'd be the only run they score. Brett Gardner, 26th home run of the year, solo shot made it 4-1. to one. Incredible what he's done. Not going to be the last you hear of him in this weekly recap, especially with today. Then again, Brett Gardner, two-run double right after that. Put the Yankees up 6-1. to 7-1 one. One on a solo shot by Cameron Mabin. And then Clint Frazier, two-run shot, made it 9-1. to one. And that's the score the Yankees win by, take the series. They would clinch the American League East for the first time since 2012. Absolutely crazy. Congrats to the boys. They completely deserve it. And it was just it was just a really incredible night in the Bronx. Lots and lots of fun. I, I, I really enjoyed it, as did everybody else, it seemed. Lots and lots of fun. So, then right after that, the weekend series against the Blue Jays would come around. The Blue Jays come to town. And they would face him for three games. The first game would go as follows. Of course, Jay Happ started this game. Five and a third, allowed two runs. Didn't have a bad start. And it, so again, Happ looks pretty good. But again, another another pretty tough loss. Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the top of the fourth would put the Blue Jays up. One to nothing on an RBI single. Then Aaron Judge would tie the game at one with another solo shot of his own. 25th home run of the year at the time. Danny Jansen then solo shot, put the Blue Jays back up 2-1. to one. And then Tyler Wade, who just so badly wants this postseason roster spot. He wants to be on the playoff roster. He hits a two-run bomb to put the Yankees up 3-2. to two. So now on top of all the abilities he has defensively with base running, the ability to play multiple positions both in the outfield and the infield, he starts to hit on top of all of it. And for a few weeks now, I've been saying, you know, Tyler Wade would be a solid addition to the playoff roster as a utility guy or a pinch runner in my mind. Think about it. In the playoffs, those are very important. 
both utility guys and, of course, pinch running. If you're having trouble getting on base or if someone gets on base, you're having trouble scoring, it's the end of the game. Pinch run Tyler Wade. He'll steal second, maybe even steal third. Get the run in. It's more important than you might realize in certain situations in the playoffs. Big things like that happen in the postseason all the time. So I think that's vital right there. But again, he hit a two-run shot to put them ahead 3-2. to two. Definitely a big deal. And then, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> this one, this one was unexpected because Tommy Canely doing something that he doesn't, that he hasn't done really nearly at all this whole year. He gives up a two-run shot to Justin Smoke to put the Blue Jays ahead 4-3. to three, And the Blue Jays would win by that score. So another tough loss. Bullpen kind of does it again, but more over anything, I really want to, I, I really just want to go after just, I, I really want to go after Joe West because I, I mean, you, if you, if you know me at all, if you see me on Twitter, if you listen to the podcast, you know how much I can't stand umpires and nobody's been screaming louder than I have been for some time now for them to just perfect the robo ump technology now and just use it because I've had enough of these clowns. Especially people like Joe West, who's been umpiring for over 40 stinking years and sucks at his job and is allowed to stay around. This guy calls a strike on Brett Gardner. It's like a foot off the plate. And this is not nearly the first time he's done this. This is a Joe freaking West we're talking about. If you don't know anything about Joe West, he is easily one of, if not the worst umpires still remaining in this game right now. He is shameful back there and all over the place. The next day, which we'll get to in the next game when I talk about it. The next game, he tosses Aaron Boone for arguing balls and strikes with another umpire that was behind home plate. Joe West, that moron, is standing down at third base as the third third base ump. Probably didn't hear a word that Aaron Boone was saying, and he ejects him. You moron. Retire. Just retire already. Nobody wants you around. It's just beyond infuriating. So between the call on Brett Gardner the night prior, and then Joe West has the audacity to give himself the attention again the next day after the shenanigans he pulled in the ninth inning the night before. Are you kidding me? Get this moron out of here. Get him out. So the Yankees would come back the next day. They'd win 7-2 to yesterday, of course. James Paxson, again, another great start. Six innings pitched, no earned runs allowed. ERA down to 373, arguably the Yankees' ace now. Just done a fantastic job. His turnaround's been really, really great. And and as I've said on the podcast before, there's a reason why I was so hard on Paxton all the time, and you know it, because I've said it many times. I was aggravated when he did, when he always did so badly because I knew he had the potential to be great. It's almost like Mickey from Rocky. If you're a Rocky fan, then you get my comparison. Think back to Rocky 1. Mickey couldn't stand Rocky. And you want to know why? Because Mickey gave the explanation in the middle of the movie saying, you want to know why I treat you like I do? Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you're a collector for a cheap second-rate loan shark. So he's disappointed in what's going on because he knows his potential, yet he's just not, he's, he's not doing all he can. So it's frustrating. Mickey got frustrated with Rocky. I got frustrated with James Paxton because I know his potential, yet it just didn't seem to be working out and I knew he can do it. So now that he's doing it, I'm so freaking happy for the guy because I knew he had it in him. You could use, you know, you could say, oh, maybe his knee has finally been feeling better. Maybe his knee feeling better is why he's able to just 
kicking to James Paxson again all of a sudden. Or maybe it was a mental thing because, you know, he did have the, the sports psychiatrist earlier in the season. And they did say after he saw the sports psychiatrist, it helped him. And if it did, God bless him. You know, it, it's great that he's at least doing something about it. It could be anything, really. But the fact of the matter is, James Paxton is reinvented. He's a new person. His ERA is plummeting. His skill has skyrocketed. He's using his breaking ball. He's, he's incorporating it more in his mix, in his arsenal. His fastball is looking great. His off-speed stuff overall, his cutter, his breaking ball, his changeup, his, his fastball, everything's looking good. Everything is looking sharp. And he just looks locked in whenever he's out there now. It's great to watch. It's great to watch. So led by James Paxton, the Yankees would win 7-2. to and, and again, just, just going after Joe West a bit, what, what the hell do you think you're doing ejecting Aaron Boone down there when you're the third base umpire? You probably don't hear a word that Aaron Boone just said, yet you're the one that ejects him while he's arguing balls and strikes. And by the way, Boone was right because the calls were against Giancarlo Stanton and he was right because they weren't strikes. Because guess what? These umpires are stupid. And I have no problem going after the umpires in this podcast because this is the truth. You all suck at your jobs and you deserve to be called out. I'm not saying I do a better job, of course. I don't know what kind of job I do. All I know is that I know what a strike zone looks like. And I'm not the one getting paid professionally to do the job. You're getting paid. You've been doing this your whole career. You should know what you're doing better, especially if you're in the league as long as Joe West. I guess he just doesn't care anymore at all. Because boy, does Joe West suck at his job. Joe West, you need to retire. It's done for you, buddy. It's been done for probably about 10 years. Get out of the league. No one wants you here anymore. You're terrible at your job. Terrible. Absolutely horrendous. Terrible. So anyway, let's get to the actual game at hand here. Jonathan Davis put the Blue Jays up in the top of the third with an RBI single one nothing. John Carlos Stanton RBI double tied the game at one. Again, continuing to look good. And he also hit a double in his very first at-bat back. I should have mentioned that earlier. Mike Ford put the Yankees ahead in the bottom of the fourth right after Stanton did that. Two to one Yankees with an RBI single. Then John Carlos Stanton... Giancarlo Stanton, a huge, a nuke to left field for his second home run of the year. Solo shot made it 3-1 Yankees. Clint Frazier, RBI double, made it 4-1. 6-1 on a two-run single by Kyle Higashioka. Then it was 6-2 after Teoscar Hernandez hit an RBI double. And then Mike Ford again, RBI single, made it 7-2 Yankees. And that's the score that they would win by, of course. And then they would come into today trying to win the series against the Blue Jays. Go 20-0-3 in home series since the White Sox series. They have not lost a series at home. They have split, of course, three times. That's the three at the end. They're 20-0-3 in home series since the White Sox series back in April. Absolutely incredible. And that's a lot of the reason why people value home field advantage for the Yankees in the playoffs so much because while they are still good on the road, that's worth mentioning, the Yankees are still solid on the road. You can't deny the effect that it has on them when they're playing in the Bronx. You just can't. But of course, if you're valuing, you know, what do you value more? Home field advantage or keeping everybody healthy? If you had to choose one, you're choosing to keep everybody healthy. But if you could find a balance, that's the key. And I think that's what the Yankees are trying to achieve here, and they're doing it right. So in the final game, before we get into this game, which was so great between Severino and the offense just going off again, I just want to say how beautiful of a ceremony it was 
that the Yankees put together for CC Sabathia. They were saying this all day on the Yes Network between Michael Kay and Paul O'Neill and everybody else. They were all saying nobody does it better than the Yankees, these, you know, these big ceremonies that are so touching. And believe me, that is not just them kissing up to the Yankees. It is the absolute truth. The Yankees do such great ceremonies. It's unbelievable. The video packages they put together. The planning that goes into these events. The little nuances of it. Letting CeCe throw out the first pitch of the game to his mother because his mother used to play catch with him when she was raising him when he was a kid. All the video montages of him throughout his career. His family reading handwritten notes to him. It's touching. Him riding around on on the cart around the stadium, waving to the fans, people just giving their appreciation to the big man that they've come to admire so much over the past 11 years, as I have. It was really just so great. I'm really going to miss this guy. I'm really going to miss CeCe so much. I have really enjoyed watching him in pinstripes for the last 11 years. It's been a privilege. And as a matter of fact, behind me in my room, maybe if I get if I get visuals for the podcast going, you'll see it. But there's a poster in my room behind me. It has Cano, CeCe, Jeter, Mariano, Teixeira, and A-Rod on it. And of all those players, CeCe's the only one left, and even he's going now. I just realized that earlier today. And it hit me hard. CeCe's become such a mainstay here. He's, he's such a vital part to this clubhouse, to this team. He's just a force to be reckoned with. And even in the video packages with all, with all the players just giving him the appreciation that he deserves and just the accolades he deserves, it's just, it's just incredible. So really, just a job well done, to say the least, to the Yankees for that incredible ceremony today. It got me to cry. I cried. I mean, during the times where they, where the family was reading the notes and, and when they cut back to CeCe on the field and he was looking up at the screen and you saw the tears streaming down his face, I, I, I lost it. I'm willing to admit that right now. I don't care. It was a touching ceremony. I cried. I mean, there's something about seeing CeCe, someone who's as tough as nails as they described, and it's 100% truth, as aggressive and hardworking and driven as he is, to just see him in that moment of weakness and... And just, you know, really letting his emotions flow. It got me. It got me. And the touching things his family and his loved ones were saying about him. Just incredible. So I just really wanted to say what I thought about that CC ceremony. It was downright... It was touching. Heartfelt. Incredible. Unforgettable. It, it, it just it, a great ceremony. Truly great. And, and honestly, I won't forget it. It was one of the better ceremonies I've seen. And you know what? He deserves it for everything he's given this team. And he always, I, I admire his grit and his determination because he always says it. If I didn't feel this team could win the World Series or if they weren't a contender, I wouldn't be here. He would just get his knees replaced and that'd be that. But he is here, pitching through the pain, trying to be here for the guys. And he wants to be here to see them win the World Series because he's damn convinced they're going to win. And guess what? So am I. I believe in and I love my team. And CeCe's right at the center of it all with his mindset and his drive. So, today was just a really, really good day with that. And you know what? Best of luck to his son, too, Little C, who's also going to try to play the game that his father loves and excelled at so much. So, best of luck to Little C. I hope the Yankees draft you. <laughs> I hope you become a Yankee one day and that you're as damn good as your father is. <laughs> that would be great. So, again, just fantastic. As far as the game itself, 
And also, I do want to say briefly, Joe West also found his way to get involved in this game because in a pop-up, I believe, Gio Rochella was going back. And Gio Rochella didn't make the play anyway. I, I forget who made the play. You'll have to forgive me. I think it was Gardner. I, I, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Gio was running out for the pop-up, and Joe West was in his way, and Gio like, sort of fell down. I'm like, even unfeeling a pop-up, Joe West, get out of the freaking way! <laughs> what an idiot. I, if you can't tell, I don't like Joe West very much. Just in case you can't tell, if that's a distinct impression. But anyway, Severino again, as I mentioned earlier, second start of the year, was today, in fact. Five shutout innings, only three hits allowed, no walks, nine strikeouts. And the stuff just looked great. Fastball velocity is there. Changeup is there. Slider work in progress, but it is there. As far as the offense is concerned, we go back to the bottom of the first. Aaron Judge starting things off. 26th home run of the year. Solo shot put the Yankees up 1-0. Then Brett Gardner, not letting Judge tie him or be ahead of him with home runs. With his 27th home run. Three-run bomb to right field. What he's done this year is incredible. Setting career highs. Having a career year at age 36. He's earned himself more time as a Yankee. I think that's more than safe to say. Three-run shot puts the Yankees up 4-0. They would not look back at all. DJ LeMayhew, two-run shot, made it 6-0 Yankees. And I did say that just when he was walking up to the plate, he had 97 RBIs. I was saying, uh, it would be cool if DJ got to 100 RBIs soon. That'd be awesome to see him hit 100. About literally 15 seconds later, hits a two-run shot to get him to 99. So, one more, DJ. <laughs> Thanks for hearing me. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton, sack fly, made it 7-0. Luke Voigt, hopefully this is the start of him waking up because he just has not had... He's both struggled and had pretty bad luck against him as well because he's hit the ball very hard, had good plays made against him, or just had straight bad luck, or he struck out a lot. So hopefully this is the start of Luke Voigt turning things around a bit. He's also had a, a, you know, a rough time or two on defense as well. But he hit an RBI single here to put the Yankees up 8 to nothing, and then in the top of the 7th, Billy McKinney, former Yankee, hits a two-run shot to get the Blue Jays on the board, 8-2 Yankees, and then a solo shot by, by McKinney in the ninth inning, another home run by him. Made the score 8-3 to three Yankees, and that is a score the Yankees would win by. They would officially go 20-0-3 in home series since the White Sox series back in April, as I said before. Great finish in the final regular season game at Yankee Stadium. And just really an all-around good week, really. It just it just was. So, now, as we look ahead, since the weekly recap is done, of course, here's what's ahead for the Yankees the next week. So, the Yankees are obviously off tomorrow. They're off Monday and Thursday this week. So, on Tuesday, they start what'll be just a quick two-game series on the road in Tampa. It'll be a 7, 10 p.m. Eastern start in Tampa Bay on Tuesday night. September 24th, then the next night on Wednesday, also a 7.10 p.m. start in Tampa. Thursday, day off. Friday is the last series of the regular season. Yikes. <laughs> Just crazy. 8.05 p.m. Eastern start in Texas on Friday night to start the final series of the season. 8.05 p.m. Eastern start again on Saturday in Texas for the Yankees. And then in game number 162, 3.05 p.m. Eastern start next Sunday in Texas. Of course, in the last game of the season, all games are played at the exact same time. Every game next Sunday starts at 3. 
I'm just looking at it now in disbelief that the season's already basically over. All I know, and this will be, you know, let's continue before I make this. You know, I'll make the statement now just at risk that I, I don't forget it later. But, you know, just looking ahead with the season ending, I feel it is appropriate to say now. I really just do think the Yankees are going to win the World Series. I do. And I, I just too many things have happened. Too many incredible ad- adversities have been overcome. Too many hardships have been overcome this year to not win. Too many things have gone their way. The season's been just straight up magical. And I just think it's all going in their favor and they're not going to stop and they're going to win. I just think so. I do. Season's been too magical. So really quick, let's just breeze through the standings here because most divisions have been wrapped up already. So the Yankees, of course, have won the AL East. The Minnesota Twins have not wrapped up the AL Central yet, but they are four and a half games up on the Indians. The AL West, of course, is wrapped up. Houston won that division. Over in the National League, the Atlanta Braves have won the NL East. Over in the Central, the St. Louis Cardinals have not won the NL Central yet, but there are three games over Milwaukee for first place. And of course, since about May or June, the Dodgers have have won the NL West. Over in the wild card as the last week of the regular season comes in now. This is the deal right now. Still really close on all sides, both sides. You have Oakland with the first wild card in the American League, two games up on the second wild card team, the Tampa Bay Rays, and then a half a game. A half a game behind. Actually, no, wait. It's I'm just looking at the TV now. The Indians just beat the Phillies. So it should be a tie for the second wild card now. This is crazy. It's really close. Just who, a matter of who makes the playoffs. This might go down to the last game of the year. So really exciting stuff there. Now you look over in the National League. Now look at this. The Nationals and the, and the Brewers... With a difference in win percentage, 0.001 points in win percentage. Oh my god. They are tied for the first wild card in the National League. And then it falls off a bit there because the Cubs have just collapsed in the last few days or so. The Cubs, four games back of a second wild card behind the Brewers or the Nationals. And the Mets are four and a half games back of that. Philadelphia Phillies, five and a half. Arizona, six. Everybody else has been eliminated. So that's the deal with that. And of course, as far as the playoff bracket is concerned in the American League for the Yankees, unless things change right now, the Astros by half a game, of course, have a better record than the Yankees and and hold the best record in the American League and all of baseball. The way it stands right now is the Astros would face the winner of the American League wildcard game and the Yankees are facing off against the Twins in the first round and they have guaranteed home field advantage today also in the ALDS if they're to face the Twins or, of course, even the wild card teams. So, that's the deal with that in the, in the American League right now. And, of course, if the Yankees were to take over for the best record, things would flip. Then the Yankees would face the winner of the wild card game. And, boy, would that be exciting. Really, really exciting stuff, guys. And, and this is just, this is it. This is the end of the year. One more week left. And again, that's why the episode is appropriately named The Final Week. And unfortunately, that is the final part of this episode because Yapping Yankees is done for the night, guys. So I would like to thank you so much for listening. One last shout out 
to Team Left Jab. Team Left Jab United Radio Network, they feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms, guys, and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Block Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, absolutely everywhere. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And also, be sure with that to follow me as well, Mike Scudero, on all social medias, at Mike Scudero NY on Facebook, at Mike Scudero on Twitter, and Mike Scuds 97 on Instagram. Be sure to follow me on all those guys, and always keep up to date with me. I post updates on the podcast if there's anything else to be told. And also, before I go, just a reminder, as far as this podcast, don't forget, Yapping Yankees is now available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So go listen to it on one or the other or both. Just give it as many listens as you can. Enjoy the shows. They're all available on both platforms. So go check it out on both, please. And I'm it's still a work in progress for me to get it on Spotify. Just trying to move up here, guys. So just be sure to support the podcast. Keep interacting on the polls. I get a lot of interaction on there every week, as you guys know. And just keep listening. Just keep supporting. I love doing this, and I want to keep doing it. It's a lot of fun. So again, Yapping Yankees, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Check it out on both. So once again, thank you 3,000 for listening. I am Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 29th, when I come at you with episode 15 of Yapping Yankees. And most importantly, never forget to keep watching Yankees baseball and keep being a savage. Take care, guys. (laughs) 